Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with promotional programs as we pick up in Psalm chapter 75, verse 7. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. He consented to go to church. And of course, everybody was rejoicing and praising the Lord that her husband finally consented to go to church. So the next week when the pastor saw this lady, he said, well, how did your husband enjoy the service? And she said, oh, pastor, when we came up to the door, They were having so much problem passing the chicks out, someone asked him if he wouldn't help pass out chicks. And so he never did get into the service. He spent the whole time passing out chicks. How tragic. When we try to promote God or to promote the work of God or even try to promote ourselves, God said promotion doesn't come from the east, from the west, from the south. God is the judge. He's the one that raises up, and he's the one that puts down. And all that we would learn to just let the Lord do the promotion if he so desires. But we would not try to promote ourselves or the work of God. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup And the wine is red. It is full of mixture. And he pours out the same, but the dregs thereof, all of the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked also will I cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. God's cup of wrath. The wine is red. In the book of Revelation, we read also of that wine cup of God's wrath in chapter 14, where we read, The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast, his image, receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. That wine of the fierceness of God's wrath that is to be poured out upon the earth. And so referred to here in the psalm and also made mention of in Revelation. Psalm 76, in Judah is God known. His name is great in Israel. Judah, of course, was the southern kingdom. Israel was the northern kingdom. In Salem also is his tabernacle. That would be Jerusalem. And his dwelling place in Mount Zion. And there break he the arrows of the bow, the shield, the sword, and the battle. Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey. The stout-hearted are spoiled. They have slept their sleep, and none of the men of might have found their hands. 
At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse are cast into a dead sleep. Thou, even thou, art to be feared. And who may stand in thy sight when once you are angry? You did cause judgment to be heard from heaven, and the earth feared and was still. When God arose to judgment to save the meek of the earth, surely the wrath of men shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God, let all be round about him, bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. And he shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is awesome to the kings of the earth. Psalm 77, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with the voice, and he gave ear unto me. Now notice in the 77th Psalm how the first part of it is centered around I. You might find it beneficial to underline every time he refers to my or I. The whole first part centers around I. I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul was refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? When my attention is always on myself, I do lose that consciousness of God. And it does seem that I am apart from him. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. And now he gets turned around in verse 12 as he begins now to refer to God, thy work and thy doings. And thus the psalm ends in a brighter note than it begins because now the, the emphasis is taken off of me and put upon God. How many times <laughs> they say prayer changes things, and, and I believe this, but how many times prayer changes me and changes my attitudes? While I'm in prayer, God is working and changing my heart and my attitude. We had a friend in Huntington Beach who was an alcoholic, and the family was always in an uproar. He'd get to drinking and, oh, you know, just everything would break loose. And there were always the threats of divorce and, you know, threats of everything. So one night, the doorbell rang. I went to the door, and here he stood. And he said, I need help. My wife's going to leave me. My family doesn't love me. And I just, you know had a big fight, tore the phone off the wall and, and all. 
And I need help. I need God, but there's no one who will pray me through. Well, I didn't know what he meant to pray him through, what he was trying to pray through. But he said, no one will just pray with me long enough. And so I accepted that as a challenge. And so I said, well, let's go over to the church. We were living right next door to it at the time. And I said, I'll pray with you just as long as you need prayer. So he went over. We went over together, actually. Of course, he smelled like the brewery itself. And we knelt down, and he began to pray. And I knelt beside him, and I began to pray. But I was listening to his prayer. And it was, oh, God, you know how they haven't been treating me right. You know, Lord, you know, how they are so mean to me, and they don't understand me. And, and just it was just, Lord, you know, you know them and how bad they've been and so forth. And he went on for an hour telling the Lord how bad, you know, the family was and how mistreated he was and how unfortunate and, you know, everything. And after an hour, I noticed there became, there came a, a change in the prayer. God, my life is really messed up. Lord, I haven't been serving you. I know I should serve you. God, I'm sorry that I haven't been serving you, and I failed you, God, and I repent, Lord, and I'm sorry. And I, all right, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> we finally have prayed through, and I found out what is praying through, all the garbage that he had in his heart <laughs> towards the family. Now he began to deal with the issues of his own heart. And after about an hour of praying this way, then his prayers changed again, and they were sort of, oh, Lord, I thank you for your help. Lord, I thank you that you love me. Lord, I thank you. Father, thank you. And then pretty soon he was sleeping. <laughs> so I went back to the office and got a blanket, and I covered him, and I went home. And when I got home, my wife said, well, how did it go? And I said, well, I don't know for sure, but I left him sleeping in the Lord. <laughs> and I relayed to her how there was an obvious change in the whole tone of his prayer, which sounded good. Next morning, I went over to the church, and he was already gone, so I still didn't know how it went. But that evening at 5 o'clock, the doorbell rang again, and there he was, spruced up, suit, looking great. He says, what time does church start this evening anyhow? <laughs> God did a real work, change in his life. But it, when it, it was when he got his eyes off of himself and onto God that God began to work. And that is always true. We need to get our eyes off of ourself, off of our situation, off of our problem. We are so self-centered. And it's usually reflected so much in our prayers. I, 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 me, me, me. But when we can get our eyes off of ourselves and begin to focus on God, then is when God can really work. Before I was born, 
my cousin died of spinal meningitis who lived just two blocks away from my family in Ventura or from where my family was building their new home. And my sister evidently was exposed by her cousin and she too had spinal meningitis. And for all apparent signals had died. She had gone into convulsions. Her eyes rolled back in her head, her jaw locked. She ceased breathing. My mother had been a lifelong Baptist, but on the way to the Baptist church, she was passing by a Pentecostal church where she used to sometimes stop in and enjoyed their services and didn't make it always to the Baptist church because it was two blocks further up the street. And when she saw her little daughter lying there in that rigid position, she knew it was too late for doctors to help, and she went running up the street to this Pentecostal church because she knew that they knew how to really pray. The parsonage was next door to the church, and she went up and rapped on the door, and when the minister came, she held her daughter, and she was hysterical, and she said, my baby, my baby. I need God to heal my baby. And so she laid my sister's stiff body on the floor, and as she was just really hysterically crying out to the Lord, the pastor, Dr. Mitzner, said to her, young lady, get your eyes off of your baby and get your eyes on Jesus and just begin to worship Jesus and praise the Lord. My father had come in from the pool hall where he spent most of his time. And when my mother wasn't there, he, they were living in a hotel while their home was being built. He said to some people in the lobby, have you seen my wife? And a nurse said, yes, Mr. Smith. Your little girl, I think, is dead. And she went running up the street, I think, to the church. And so my dad took off for the church intending to beat up on the minister and grab his daughter and get her to some competent help. But when he saw her lying there, he realized that she is beyond man's help, and he just fell down on his knees and began to cry out to God. The pastor kept encouraging my mother, get your eyes off of your little girl, get your eyes on the Lord. And she began to turn her eyes upon the Lord began to worship the Lord, and she said, Lord, if you will just give me my little girl back again, I will give my life to you. I will serve you the rest of my life. I will minister. I will do anything you ask me to do, God. I'll be your servant the rest of my life. But give me my daughter back. And with that, my sister regained consciousness was instantly healed completely. They took her home 
And she was just laughing and just completely well. Two months later, I was born in the Big Sisters Hospital in Ventura. When the doctors came in and told my mother, you have a baby boy, she closed her eyes and said, Lord, I will fulfill my vow to you through my son. My dad went down the hallway of the hospital saying, praise the Lord, it's a boy. <laughs> and so I grew up in a godly environment. But the importance of getting your eyes off of yourself and on the Lord, how it changes the whole situation. Oh, I'll tell you, you get your eyes on yourself and your surrounding circumstances and you can go down fast. There's no quicker way to sink than to get your eyes on the waves and on your surrounding circumstances upon yourself. But you get your eyes upon the Lord and you can walk on water. And so the psalmist began, eyes on himself, I, I, me, my, me, I, I. But then he turns in the middle of the psalm and now the attention is towards the Lord and thus the psalm ends in a note of victory. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thy hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee. They were afraid, the depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water, the skies sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world, and the earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou ledest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So turning the situation around, get your eyes off of yourself and get your eyes on the Lord and you'll come into the victory. Psalm 78 is a psalm that rehearses the history of God's people. And the psalm was written in order to remind the children, the coming generation, of the works of the Lord. One of the important obligations that we have is that we not see a move of God and then see it die with the passing generation. But unfortunately, rarely does a work of God continue into a second generation. Unfortunately, we begin to get our eyes upon, you know, the things that God has done, upon, you know, the great monuments, and it turns into a monument rather than keeping our eyes upon God who was doing the work to begin with. And it's always a tragedy when the work of God turns into a memorial. Somehow we need to communicate to our children that glorious work and consciousness of God so it goes on and on and on. And, and the children of Israel sought to do this, but they failed. And so many times you find that from one generation to the next, the work of God was forgotten. Case of Hezekiah, followed by Manasseh, his son, 
Hezekiah, a marvelous, righteous king. Manasseh, an evil, wicked king. Somehow his father did not relate well to Manasseh. His faith, his trust, his confidence in God. So give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from the children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works which he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, passing it on to the children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, whom would arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So the transmission of truth from generation to generation. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 75 through 78 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, and may the blessings of the Lord surround your life as you walk with him. May you experience the joys of his power, of his presence, and of his glory as God day by day showers you with his goodness and with his love. May you begin to experience greater victory in your walk with Jesus Christ. And so may God bless you and may God work in your life this week in a very special way. And may faith be increased as you study his word. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Sometimes it's difficult to know what to say or how to help someone who is going through a recent death in the family or a sudden tragedy that's happened. And it's in times like this that we want to be used by God to bring encouragement, hope, and most of all, love to our family and friends who are going through a hardship. That's why I'd like to tell you about a book by Chuck Smith called When the Storm Hits. I'm amazed when I read this book 
that it's able to encourage and strengthen a person and persuade them to look to Jesus and not at their problem. It encourages us to be patient, not to lose hope, and when the storm hits, to get anchored on Jesus, the rock, and don't let go. To order a copy of Chuck Smith's book, When the Storm Hits, please call the word for today at 800-272-9673. Or you can visit us online to read a preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org. 